anti-allergic is actually a relatively new term in herbal medicine and they've sort of emerged as our understanding of allergies has matured over the last three decades where we have seen this sort of mushrooming of allergies and they're indicated for skin disorders such as eczema and hives and respiratory conditions such as you mentioned moderate asthma mild to moderate asthma hay fever hello and welcome Mentoring with Geraldine is a bite-sized practitioner podcast for naturopaths, nutritionists, herbalists, and practitioners. This podcast responds directly to your needs, the needs of the practicing natural therapist. With interviews, herbal discussions, something business, and something clinical each week, you'll get the variety you need and enjoy to stay motivated in practice. Hello again, and welcome to Mentoring with Geraldine and the Bite Size Podcast. And from the Herbal Extract Company in Sydney, we've got Christine Thomas with us today. Welcome, Christine. How are you? Thank you. I'm well, thank you. Excellent. Today, I thought that we would, or you thought we'd talk about um, anti-allergics and because we're in the theme of immune health, because of course we're coming into winter. So um, following on with all of your the reviews that you send us all on a regular basis so the anti-allergic one I really I like allergies it's one of my areas that um, I delve into with my clients and so I'm looking at these herbs and I actually love them and um, so let's really get into these anti-allergics and our immune health yes I'll be interested to see what allergies you're seeing and what herbs you use for them I can tell you um, see yes I sort of went in alphabetical order so that's the reason why anti-allergic is first. Um, you know, the different uh, actions that uh, herbal actions that could be applied to immune health. Um, but interesting, I mean, allergic diseases are there's a high prevalence of them in Australia and in the developed world. Almost 20% of the Australian population has an allergic disease, and this is rapidly increasing. And hospital admissions for anaphylaxis, which is a severe life-threatening allergic reaction, has increased fivefold in the last 20 years. So something is happening out there causing uh, allergic disorders to increase. And um, this can lead to impaired quality of life and increased absenteeism from work, reduced productivity at work and, you know, significant financial burden on the community. Um, So just sort of stepping back a bit, allergic disease occurs when a person's immune system um, reacts to a substance that is normally harmless. And these substances are known as allergens and they can be found in food, airborne particles, such as dust mite and pollens, insect venoms and medication. Allergies can hit at any time. And so, and it's becoming more and more prevalent with young babies and children, of course. So the mothers are noticing it much, much more than they used to. So I had asthma as a child and so, you know, but there were only, it was, I remember once not having my Ventolin and you weren't allowed anybody else's Ventolin. There was actually only one other person in my class that had, that had, sorry, I should be calling it Salbutamol and not the, um, should be calling it the generic and not the brand. But back in the day, it was just the brand, not the generic. It wasn't on the market in New Zealand until I was about five or six years old anyway. And then it was a powder inhalant. It was terrible. And then it went on to the pump that we all know and see people using now. But when I took my son's class, so about 10, 15 years ago, I took them, I 
remember. Actually, it was my daughter's class. So it was about 10 years ago. And it was my daughter's class. And we went to um, a local farm. And we actually had a trolley bag of all of the anti-allergic medication we had for the three classes of children. So we've gone from my day of one other person having an inhaler and they, like myself and my sister, their father had smoked in the home. So there's a lot of cigarette smoke. In our case, it was pipe smoke in the home, which we, of course we know is an allergen. People don't do so much anymore anyway. Mm. But now we're trying to find all these weird things with our clients you know we're sending them off for allergy testing they're trying to get in with an allergist to get testing done and that always takes forever there's a huge queue to get in to see allergists these days mm. and um so i mean albizia for me is like a go-to i i think i go through probably a truckload of that a year um because again as we always talk about we're, we're making our herbs specific for the person in front of us but that albizia and i've got to say the bacal as well or the bicol or however it's said is in pretty much every mix along with you know combinations of other ones but it's so interesting you know it's it's massive it's got it's yeah. exponential you know, and then they're saying now, you know, pa uh, paracetamol could be one of the causes. You know, there's all of these possible causes from childhood. Yeah. It's coming from the mother. You, you know, the if the mother's allergic, there's that triad. You know, if you've got it in the family, it used to just be well. If you've got if you've got it in the family, chance say now it's like you've got it in the family, you're going to have it. Um, so it's huge, absolutely huge. And with that increase, it's um, amazing. Yeah, so, I mean, there's something going on. I don't know if they've pinpointed exactly what it is there's you know the theories i think um we can look at anti-allergic herbal medicine to what i in my highlight it's a great textbook clinical naturopathic medicine by leah hetman mm -hmm. it's a seminal textbook she says anti-allergic herbal medicines temper an overactive immune response often by stabilizing or inhibiting the degranulation of mast cells mm. so if we look at mast cells, I mean, they're there to induce inflammatory responses such as allergic reactions and they store a number of different chemical mediators, including histamine. And I think that's what everyone thinks of when you think of allergy, you think of histamine and antihistamines. And upon stimulation by the allergen, which we were talking about before, such as, um, you know, dust mite or pollen, in the case of uh, sinusitis and hay fever, the mast cells release the contents of their granules, which is that process of degranulation, and that goes into the surrounding tissues. And then chemical mediators such as histamine produce a local response, which is characteristic of an allergic reaction, um, such as increased permeability of blood vessels, which is inflammation and swelling that you might see, say, you know, in the nostrils contraction of smooth muscles such as you would have seen in your bronchial muscles in the asthma in asthma and um, increased mucus production are all um, results of this um, the chemical mediators producing this response so antihistamines are a typical drug that's used to block the histamine activity um, to stop the uh, allergic reaction and they are effective but they come with side effects drowsiness and nausea so as a result people do want to try natural alternatives and um you know some anti-allergic herbs have an antihistamine action such as nettle anti-allergic is actually a relatively new term in herbal medicine and they've sort of emerged as our understanding of 
allergies has matured over the last three decades where we have seen this mushrooming of allergies and they're indicated for skin disorders such as eczema and hives and respiratory conditions such as you mentioned, moderate asthma, mild to moderate asthma and hay fever. So what, what do you see mostly in your clinic? Um, well, it's the children and I do get them to take the herbs. It's not really a problem at all. So we had a bit of a spate of mould because one of the schools here they were using transportables while they rebuilt some of the other areas. And so there was mould in the transportable classrooms they were using. So we did have a spate of mould sort of illness going on while they built the new building and while these kids were in the transportables. So finding where the problem is often is a problem because, you know, the child went to an allergist and they had bloods done and it came back with mold. And so then mother had the house tested and, you know, nothing in the house. And she's like, well, how can it be? How can it be? Where is it? And I was like, well, where does your child spend most of his time? He spends it at school. So we have to check the school. So, um, I mean, he stayed in that class, but he was off for six months while they were building, pretty much on and off. But he was the albizia and the other herbs in his mix. I can't remember them all. So um, he, had, he certainly had the skull cap in there and the albizia kept him at school. It kept this, you know, he had this, we had to, he was on it twice a day. He was on it before he went to school and as soon as, and as soon as she picked him up just to try and make sure he could stay at school without all the asthma and the wheezing and everything that was coming from that classroom. So detective work, great detective work. Oh yeah, well, it took a while. And then I was like, well, it's got to be the classroom. And they're like, no, 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 it's not the classroom. It's a transportable. It should be fine. And then I said, well, let's go and have a look at it. And um, I think one of the things we got them to do was there was an air conditioning unit. Of course, it, this transportable had come from another school and it had just one of those box air conditioners that they sit in the window, not one that, so it's like, okay, well, can you clean that please? Mm. And so they cleaned that and that improved things. And then they wouldn't necessarily put it on and they'd have doors and windows open, which of course you counterintuitive because then you're letting in all of your pollens, but at the same time, it wasn't the pollen that was a problem for him. Yeah. And the, and mold of course has other issues associated with it, you know, with the inflammation whereas your pollen is frustrating but it's not going to inflame the brain and cause learning difficulties and those sorts of things so we had to have the mold as a you know something that was gotten rid of but yeah it was, he was an interesting one he's still on herbs now um he still takes his herbs he's still on his albizia but um, not at the dose that he was on while he was in the transportable i can tell you yeah. so. <laughs> fantastic. i mean it's the top anti-allergy herb in ayurveda Mm. In the system, and um, it actually hasn't been well studied in clinical trials, but um, there is evidence to mm. suggest it's effective for allergic conditions, and um, there is preclinical evidence showing that it can modulate histamine release, which, as we talked about, plays a major role in allergy. And we can't extrapolate these preclinical, so that's in a test tube in vitro or in um, animal cells uh, in vivo. Can't really. Them to human use, no, but it does give us a clue and sometimes can justify the traditional use. And, and traditionally, Albizia has been used yeah. for a very long time for allergic conditions, so yeah, right. one of the best. So, the other one on your list, um, so that we've got the skull cap, which is you know, we've got two skull caps we've got the bicol or the skull cap bicanal 
I can't say it, bicanalysis. And then one that's not related or in this area at all is the Scalateria lateral floria. So we can't get our skull caps confused, um, which the common name skull cap, totally different herbs. So the Baikal one that we've got here is a really good one for the inflammation as well. So, and when we think skull cap, we think the head. It's a, it's a cap for the skull. Yeah. So, you know, it's a bit of an easy one. You're thinking, what am I going to use? Oh, skull cap. And then you've just got to remember which skull cap you want for which thing. <laughs> this one's the traditional Chinese medicine mm. allergy herb. Yes. Uh, the Alvesia in the Ayurvedic uh, philosophy. And then we have Bacal skull cap in the TCM. And um, there's also preclinical studies. Again, we don't have many mm. human but there are preclinical studies just like Albizia showing that um, it may decrease the amount of histamine released from mast cells, yep. so some mechanism in a test tube. And again, we can't extrapolate that, but it is giving us some clues as to yep. the mechanism behind why it works because, as you said, you can see in the clinic that it works, and that's the main thing is that we're getting results. Absolutely. Then next on your list, you've got nettle leaf. So nettle season where will be happening soon in a garden near you um, coming into winter. So my nettle patch will be up and active very soon. And um, I mean, it can be used. Yes, we use it as a herbal tincture. The other thing that I use nettle for are stings. So, so I will use the tincture neat on the skin. If someone gets a stinging nettle sting, I then go and get the tincture and put the tincture on top and it will reduce the sting because we can use it um, topically as well as internally. Um, I also use it for post-burn. After we've done all of the stuff, after we've done all the cold water and all of the things and it's begun to calm down, then, of course, we can put that stinging nettle tincture onto a burn um, to help cool it because it does the opposite. It's, you know, once the sting has been taken out, it totally does the opposite of what you'd expect it to. And as a tea, it's really nice. I make the tea with oranges and lemons because then we're getting all of that histamine, you know, from the oranges and lemons and the citric acid and it flavors it up. Nettle leaf tea can be a little bit on the strong side without some additional support mm -hmm. from other flavors. Very minerally tasting because it's full yeah. of isn't it? It's yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and I mean, the young nettle leaves, of course, you can cook, you can put in um, salads, but you just need to steam them. You just need to lightly um, steam them and you can put them wherever you like. So I'll mix them in when I'm cooking spinach or things like that. So they'll be in there. And um, nettle leaves and asparagus with some verjuice, I have to say, comes up very, very well. Tossed in a pan. Very gourmet. <laughs> it was very gourmet. I don't know. I had some nettle leaves sitting on the side and I had asparagus and I thought, okay, you both have to go in the pan. And then I thought, how am I going to work you down? Oh, I've got some verjuice. This will do nicely. <laughs> like one of those yeah moments of, you know where you haven't got anything and you've discovered something <laughs> yeah that's right that's right it was put it all in together because I mean nettle is thought to be good as well for iron and iron absorption as well so nettle has got a lot going on for it for such a nasty stinging little plant those little nature silica you know they're like glass the the stings if you look at them under a microscope mm. you know it's quite a paradox because the stinging has inject histamine into the skin causing a reaction however it can also help with allergies as well it is a natural antihistamine as you said yes yeah, full of nutrition which you can taste 
Um, but there was a randomised trial done on nettle. So we have a human trial, it was only 37 people, but they had allergic rhinitis, uh, hay fever, and um, they took nettle leaf for a month and had significant improvement in their symptom severity. So um, it's wonderful when we can actually see uh, a human clinical trial showing that, that it works. Yeah, and how useful it is, totally. Hay fever season is coming it, up as well. There's always a hay fever season on the yeah. way, isn't there, somehow? Yeah. So the last one on your list is perilla. Now, perilla I've never used as a herbal tincture. I've only ever used it as a salad dressing because in the Chinese shops you can buy it as a vinegar, perilla vinegar. So um, traditionally used for hay fever, you said coughing and excessive phlegm. So yeah. I don't know, maybe I had um, reduced coughing and no phlegm when we were having those salads with the, <laughs> the gorilla. Well, it's um, in Japanese, it's called shiso leaf, and you do get it in restaurants. It's a beautiful, it comes in different colors, but sometimes it's a beautiful sort of rusty red color, and you can wrap the leaf up with a green sort of underside and you wrap it up with different things in it and eat it. And it's, um, it is used a lot in, um, it's a prized leaf in Eastern herbalists, um, in Eastern um, food as well, in the cuisine. But herbalists surprise it for its anti-allergy effects in asthma, eczema and dermatitis. And it has traditionally been used for, uh, for hay fever. Again, we have a, a placebo-controlled trial, 21 days, looking at, allergic inflammatory diseases in humans. The perilla was an effective intervention for hay fever with the allergic conjunctivitis as well. Um, so, yeah, again, it's great to have a human trial and some evidence, some scientific evidence. Yeah, um, yeah. Can give, um, yeah, significant sort of confidence that it's going to work. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's also used, it was used in the food to help stop um, food poisoning oh. fish, if you have a look at the monograph. So it obviously has got like the great sort of detoxing effect. But yeah, that's probably what it's best known for is it's anti, the anti-allergy herb. Yeah, it's become very popular. Yeah, it's a great combo. Those four herbs are fabulous anti-allergic herbs. So you obviously mix and match to your client's needs to the specific client and where you are and what's going on. Are there any other uh, herbs you use in your allergy mixes? Well, it just depends what's going on. I, if I think they need more draining, because often with the, when they've got these allergies, they've got all all the snot for want of yeah. a better word and um you know they're really full of mucus so i often find if they're really full of mucus then i've got to add all those mucus drainers and i actually quite like simple ones like elderflower you know for those sorts of things or combination an anti-allergy herb with something yeah like yeah so you know i'll do something like that i wouldn't you know i wouldn't bother with cleavers or anything because you just got such a huge dose in the bottle when you know it's not really not what they need it's a it's because it's that immune response kicking in so we're still using those immune herbs as well so albizia is always top of the pack and um, I don't normally use nettle in there because I try to encourage people to use it as a food in winter I've certainly got it and it has gone in, in the past but it's not my biggest choice but perilla I'm going to have to check out I'm going to have to try that perilla and get some in because I've not thought to use that one so um, I'll be shopping for that <laughs> Adding it to the list of the allergies. <laughs> so 
Right. Well, I think we'll wind it up there for today. Thank you so much for coming back to join us again on the Bite Size Podcast. And if you're listening and you've enjoyed it and you're still here to the end, don't forget to review us, give us five stars, say how brilliant we are and all the other good things. So (laughs) thank you very much. And thanks for listening. See ya. Thanks so much for joining me today. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast for the weekly episodes. If you'd like even more support and learning, then the Academy is for you. Here you'll find part two of the herbal discussions, more clinical learning and case studies to support your clients in practice. Bye for now.